What is up, people? You're listening to another episode of Geeking Out Over Star Wars. Uh, I'm your host, Shamari Stewart, um, joined, as always, by uh, my uh, wonderful co-host, Zach Freeland. Zach, how are you doing? I'm doing really, really well. It's new year. Started a new job. Uh, we have an episode within the first two weeks of a new year. So I'd say we are off to a good start. So I'm doing really well, man. I'm excited. Good, good. Um, so I want to, us to kind of jump right in. Now, of course, this episode, we are going to be uh, reviewing uh, the High Republic novel, The Eye of Darkness. Um, now, this is written by George Mann, who I think uh, is, I, honestly, everyone at in Lucasfilm Publishing, all their authors are extremely talented. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, they're all all very accomplished, very, very good at what they do. Um, George Mann is 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 very good. Is, is I liked the work he's done previously, so I, I had pretty high expectations for this. Um, and I can say right now, it definitely did not disappoint. Um, uh, now, uh, but really quickly before we jump right into our uh, kind of you know review of uh, the book, um, just wanted to quickly touch on some some news that we got uh, that literally like just dropped like a day ago from from. <laughs> Like or like, re- very recently uh, from oh, the time yeah. we're recording this, um, that we are getting a Mandalorian and Grogu movie. God, I uh, hope that's not the name. <laughs> I kind of hope so too. I'm kind of hoping it's not the name, but um, but it is official. It's confirmed. Uh, this is coming from uh, from Lucasfilm uh, directly. Uh, so it's very very interesting. It's being directed by uh, John Favreau. Um, they're going to start production this year. Uh, there's no confirmed release date. It's being produced by John Favreau, Dave Filoni, and Kathleen Kennedy. Um, so, Zach, what is your reaction to this news? I have so many thoughts, and I know that we're not. This episode is definitely about the Eye of Darkness, so we're not really going into any of this. And maybe in a few weeks, when we digest it, or maybe we'll get a little bit of other news in a couple weeks or a couple months. Um, it's supposed to go into production this year. Uh, so it's, it's, it's soon. And that means we'll probably be seeing it before any of the other movies that were announced at Celebration. And that's what also I am confused about. This is, this is not the Dave Filoni movie that was talked about that is also going to be set during this era. This is entirely separate from that. And so this was just randomly dropped on a, on a Wednesday, uh, no no hype, no specific event or day happening. Just, oh, hey, Mandalorian and Grogu are coming to a movie screen near you and starting production 2024. And that's all we got. And I, of course, I'm going to take all Star Wars. We talk about this all the time. Take all Star Wars. Take, take those characters. Take anything on the big screen. I miss Star Wars on the big screen. So I'm excited to see a movie. And it looks like we'll be seeing one within, what, two and a half years probably? Um, within three years at least, probably holiday 2026, I'd say. So I'm excited for a new Star Wars movie. That's great. I do like the characters, but I, I have so many questions on when is this taking place? Where is it going? Is it take place after season three, but before the Heir to the Empire movie, we're assuming that we're getting from Dave Filoni. Um, I, I also think that season three left them with, like, where are they going? You know, I, I didn't, unfortunately, I felt like their story was wrapped up and I don't know where they're going with it. So I, I think I need to hear a lot more news um, and get a little bit more story synopses before I make any kind of judgment. So I'm hesitantly and trepidatiously excited, uh, as I usually am, but um, I, I have lots of questions. Yeah, definitely a lot of questions. Um, I kind of echo a lot of, a lot of your thoughts. So we don't know how this is affecting the Dave Filoni movie. The one thing that was announced at the same time was Ahsoka season two. So yes, we know that that's that right. Um, and we, um, you're right. This isn't the Dave Filoni movie that, you know, that we know, or at least, you know, from the last time we were told, we know that th- that was all, that was a part of the plan. I believe it still is part of the plan. And, um, and, um, the one thing that Kendall, my brother, who is also on the other Star Wars podcast I I uh, I host the Imperial Broadcast, one thing he asked as well is that is this 
Is this because there had been talk before about the Mandalorian season four possibly being a movie? Um, is this going to just lead into the next season of the Mandalorian? Is this going to function as an extra as a season in itself? Like, what is this? So there's a lot of uh, a lot of kind of wondering what the, what exactly this is supposed to be, and are we getting another season of the Mandalorian before the movie? before the Mandoverse movie comes out. So it's just a lot of questions. I, I just, I feel like I'm, I'm worried because I think too many movies set in this time period on the big screen is going to alienate a lot of viewers. Um, I think if you say it's a Disney Plus original movie, which I know they don't want to go the route with Star Wars. They want to make Star Wars an event. Um, but similar to the way that DC went... Um, obviously before James Gunn, DC went with some of their movies going straight to streaming. Like, well, Blue Beetle was supposed to be a straight to streaming release and then it got a theatrical release. Batgirl, well, Batgirl was also... My my point stands is if it was an original movie that was premiering, I think that'd be okay because you kind of know you're sticking with your television audience. Whereas I'm confused putting it on the big screen because I don't like the idea that I will have had to watch all of these different things. Like, it's going to include, you know, all the stuff about the Mandalorians, all this stuff about Bo-Katan and everything that's happened in the previous seasons. It's it's a very Marvel approach to a big movie in that now you have to watch the smaller stuff to be able to completely understand and appreciate the big stuff yep. uh, completely. Not that they can't be good movies on their own, but I just feel like Star Wars shouldn't be like that. I almost prefer this to be a standalone adventure. You know, there's the canon geek in me that wants, you know, the big interconnected universe, and I want to know how this ties into that and where it's going to lead and the different threads that go from A to B to C to, to you know, Theta and anywhere else in the in the galaxy. But there's a part of me that also wants it to be just a standalone adventure, a really cool, really good standalone adventure, or a, a future adventure um, but that does not need to view the Mandalorian. That does not, you need to, you don't have to have known anything about Bo-Katan. Honestly, and I read a column on this, maybe we read the, I don't know if you've read this also, but I read a, a little editorial on it that said, you know, the future of Star Wars is Grogu. And mm. this movie is really going to be that. It's called the Mandalorian Grogu, but this is really going to be Grogu's story. And... If that's the case and they want to make him a main focal character, especially before whatever the next um, post-Rise of Skywalker movie is, um, and that they're really setting up Grogu, then I'm all for it. I just think you cannot alienate an audience, and Star Wars should be for everybody, and it's not just in content. I think it's it, it, if you're putting it on the big screen, I want you know as many people to watch it as possible. As many people should be able to access it as possible. So I'm just a little torn. Yeah, we're going to have to see how they treat this. Um, you know, because it, it definitely seems like it's going to be something where if you did not watch any Mandalorian or Book of Boba Fett or anything, you're going to be very lost. Yeah, exactly. So we'll have to uh, we'll have to see how this how that works out. Um, but yeah, we definitely wanted to touch on that news because that was very big news um, uh, that was uh, recently released. And we'll be uh, keeping track of that as well. I'm excited for us to be able to do uh, movie reviews again. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. Uh, so we, have, we started this show before there were any, like after the last movie. After Rides of Skywalker. After Rides of Skywalker, wow. which which stinks. Wow. We didn't even get to like talk about anything. We literally started, oh man, January 2021. So we're on a three year wow. anniversary this month. Wow. Which is great. Can't believe the show's been going for three yeah. years. But we did it right after COVID. Or well, still during COVID, so right. you know we didn't get any, you know we we had no movies to go on. We just got we started with books. You could pretty much call us the Star Wars book podcast because you know I'd say seventy five percent of our stuff is about books, right? right. Yeah, and, and like like what we're about to talk about now too. Yeah, exactly. It's a fitting yeah, it's that. a fitting way to start off the year, I would say though. You know, three years in, three year anniversary. We're starting phase three. Three years, new yeah, yeah, phase a lot three of book. So, only <laughs> well, this was the third phase three novel. That would then that would, that would cap it all. Oh god, um, that would be something. <laughs> that would be scary. I'd be like, "What does this mean?" Uh, no, um, just yeah, the universe is sending us signs, and I don't know if that means keep going <laughs> or you need to stop. Right, exactly. All mm -hmm. right, 
So with all that being said, we can jump into the novel. Um, so again, this is The Eye of Darkness um, by George Mann. Um, so this um, is kicking off. Um, very important to start. This has been a year uh, since the Nile took down Starlight Beacon. So we have that time jump. Um, so since then, um, and honestly, even starting out a lot of what a lot of how the book starts surprised me. I don't know if that's, and you can let me know if that's because I missed something. But a lot is, is, has happened. Uh, so they set up this storm wall occlusion zone um, in the outer rim, basically making Nile space um, like untouchable. Um, unless you have a path drive with the correct like coordinates input. Um, like you, you can't, you basically can't enter or leave. Um, that is new to me and is quite frankly, just a central, it's like a focus point of this, of this whole book. Um, was that, was that kind of to jump into our discussion? Was that a surprise to you as well? Just, <laughs> I, th I think it wasn't as much of a surprise because okay. I had read shadows of starlight one before okay. this. Okay, so I, I didn't get to that. So yeah, so oh. Shadows of Starlight series is very good, and it's four, it's four issue miniseries by Charles Soule, and each episode is set during the year between Phase One and Phase Three, uh, and tells the story like a different story from characters that we've come to know. The first one is Avar and Elzar, and then the second, or I uh, know the first is Yoda and. Um, drawing a blank on his name but it'll come up in our discussion because it's written down uh second was avar and elzar and obviously they split and we'll find out more about as we talk about it here and then the third was bell and buriaga um and then the fourth was uh i have not gotten to yet so yeah i had read that first one and i think i also was keeping not as much as i was for phase one and phase two but i was keeping up a little bit with the Star Wars news drops that we would get about it, like, oh, here are some of the new characters you'll meet. And it's been a year since, and, you know, how the, the Star Wars show will also, on the High Republic show on YouTube, will also drop some of those nuggets of information. So I was keeping up with that. So it wasn't a complete shock to me. Um, okay. That being said, I did really like it as a circumstance for the galaxy. I think it it's something we haven't really seen before in Star Wars. Um and I think it's it's uh, very insurmountable odds it creates, really insurmountable odds that you kind of like the eye of darkness makes sense for 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 this book. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so this is a very um, uh, this is at this point it's I guess you you can call it like a like a Cold War type situation. Where there's just two factions, you know, um, kind of with you know the Nile, of course, is attacking like worlds um, that sit outside of of Nile space because they have the the means to get in and out quickly. Um, but it kind of sets that up as a scenario going forward. Um, so the worlds that are in systems that are under Nile rule are are um not doing well um so they are starving uh they're uh, greatly in need and as we know of course the nile are just focused on pillaging and and, and uh just kind of serving themselves um and they're also jedi behind the wall as well so avar chris is behind the storm wall and porter angle is behind the storm wall so those are two characters who have kind of their own storylines that go um uh that uh, occur throughout this book. Um, meanwhile, in the Republic, uh, Lena So, um, who is the Chancellor, is uh, trying to find a way to breach the Storm Wall. Um, uh, and her son Kit is actually also in the Occlusion Zone. So there's there's a lot of uh, moving parts as well. And Elzar Man, who we mentioned briefly before as well, is trying to find a way to break through the Storm Wall. Uh, desperately so, uh, I might add. He is. He is. Um, and I'll probably touch on this in a little bit as well. But he is. Uh, he in a, he is 
I, I, honestly, just to kind of touch on his character, he is the most feeling Jedi since like Anakin. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no. And I, th- I think he he references it himself. Like he talks about if he didn't have someone like Orla Jereni, he would go to the dark side. Yeah. Right? He just would have. He would have taken the wrong path. He would have chosen the wrong path, taken the wrong step, and he would have given into his feelings. He is the most feeling Jedi we've had since Anakin. One hundred percent. Yeah. It's, it is, I, I mean, they just, there's so much of his inner dialogue and it's so, you know. Oh, it's, um, it's desperate and self-defeatist yeah. and just yes. all over the place and emotional. And, you know, obviously we'll touch on it a bit, but his feelings for Avar that were obviously hinted at in the, you know, the first three novels, you know, it's just, yeah, it's all there. Like this, this guy is, it's like another Anakin. Yeah, he's just, he's on the edge. He's just on the edge and... And this this um, book does nothing to help pull him off that edge. No, no, it doesn't. Oh, the whole <laughs> because was, it's it's relentless. It's actually the yeah. book is relentlessly defeatist. Yes, for heroes. Yes, it is. And and also just a, a quick note as well before we keep going. Uh, there's a big spoiler alert, so we're gonna spoil the book. Oh, yes. Oh God. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's read a the book. good call. Good shout. Uh, I, I would not have. Yeah. No. Yeah. Definitely wanted to just mention that just in case. Um. But uh, yeah, if you haven't read the book, definitely read it. We we uh, and I, Zach, I think you would recommend it as well. Yeah, uh, easily, yeah. easily. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah definitely, yeah, definitely read it. It's it is worth um is worth the read for sure. Um. So yeah, Elzar Man still feels guilty. Very desperate to get Avar back. Um. Uh. So Kevin Tarr, um, who worked on Hetzel, is trying to find a way. Uh, to get through, uh, he does a lot of work in this book as well. Um, I love it when people who are not like force sensitive or who are not Jedi are still vital to yeah. making it so that things can that the tides of of the tides can turn. You know, so it's not just okay. We just everyone's just hapless and waiting for Jedi to come and save everyone. Um. So that was I, I liked his part in this in the story as well. I don't know how much we'll go into it because I know we're going through this a little quicker than we usually do our book reviews. But I will say a character, the standout character that I didn't think was going to have as much time as they did. Um, and I don't think I know they had some time. I felt like in um, oh, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, the rising. Uh, Oh my God, the Rising Storm. Rising uh, Storm. The, yep, by Kevin Scott was, which is Lena So. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really, really loved her entire arc in um in in this book. Like, there's the, I think getting that political side from her, and then seeing what she's willing to do, and watching her work with the Jedi, getting things from her point of view, uh, I just thought was really valuable. Um, and I just wasn't expecting it, but I found myself really engaged with all of her chapters. Yeah, she got a lot of highlight. She was very highlighted um, in this book. You know, it wasn't just you know a few kind words and a few words of wisdom. And, like she was, we got a, into her head quite a bit in this. I uh, I would say from a writing perspective, what I really appreciate about George Mann's writing is that he actually so a lot of Star Wars authors will switch perspective mid chapter, like a few yeah. times, just because there are so many cast of characters. And instead, George Mann does is he actually shrinks down his chapters so that most of the chapters are really just one person, one character's point of view, which leads itself to, you know, like 100 chapters. You know, it's 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 it is one of the longest Star Wars books so far, like not just Star Wars books. I'm sorry. It's one of the longer uh, adult High Republic novels so far, Um, uh, which which is fine, which is fine. But. Uh, and I really liked it, but it it does feel breezy because they're short chapters, um, and it's obviously really well written and everything. Yes, yes, he, yeah, he definitely did a very good job, and I enjoyed that as well. That the perspectives were separate each chapter. Yeah, it's um, just easier to keep track of. Yeah, yeah, very. It's much more organized. Um, yeah, especially when you're doing you know notes like like I do every time we we read these books. Yes, absolutely. Um. And uh, so the Nile are conducting raids as well, um, right outside of the uh, occlusion zone. Um, And uh, a lot of these raids are being carried out by a Nile named Melish Strike. Uh, She is a ruthless woman that works under General V's 
Um, which we'll get to V's in a moment as well. Um, but Melish Strike and Zach, can you let me know? Did she appear in anything else before this? No, no, no. I don't. Okay. No, no. Melish Strike was. I have not seen in any of the comic series. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if she shows up in the Higher Public comic series, the mainline one by Kevin Scott. Yeah. Uh, and Ario and Dito, but um, I no. Nothing, nothing before this, I don't believe. Okay, all right, yeah, I just wanted to check on that because it seemed like you know she had been, you know, in conflict or or you know that or that at least Bell at least has been trying to get her for a while. Um, so um, that was a storyline that that seemed to have already been established, or or that they were trying to make it so that okay, this is a conflict that they've been at this for a little bit, <laughs> you know, just so we as the audience knew. Um, now, uh, we also have Gira Staros, who also plays a, a significant role in this book. I very much enjoyed her role um, as well. Um, so she uh, reorganized the Tempest Runners and replaced them with Ministers, um, which um, I'm going to be honest, I kind of miss the, the old Tempest Runner kind of format, personally. <laughs> but um, but the Tempest Runners are I now... I do, too. I just don't think... It, this makes no sense. And you could tell... Right. This was the one aspect of the thing that bought, like, I had to buy into a little bit, um, was the reorganization of the um, the Nile into not tempests, but uh, and the not tempest runners, um, but they are um, uh, ministers. Ministers. And yeah. I, I think that it's it's. It's her. I like that it's her way, and I completely understand what she's trying to do. Right. You know, where she comes from and her political background, and what she's trying to do for the Nile and the power she wants to hold makes complete sense. I like everything about that. the The part where we we went at the end, we talk about we'll we'll, we'll talk about the future of the High Republic after this book, but the ending and like what certain people are thinking. I'm like, oh, I don't know if they would. I don't know, but we'll get to that. But for the most part. Um, ministers, I, I get it from a story perspective. Yeah, I definitely like the old Tempest better. It felt like it fit the Nile more, but I think this is just, this is definitely true to her character. Yes. Yeah, it does. It, and I agree with that as well. I do think this is definitely true to her character. Definitely makes sense for her. Um, for the Nile as a whole, it definitely doesn't seem like something that fits them at all, which, I mean, I guess they kind of, they don't um they don't say that but it kind of does kind of fall in line i guess with what ends up happening and then with her and uh and Markion. but um but yeah it is i just i miss the tempest runners but um so they are ministers now uh so the ministers are her uh general vis um who is a um a Miriallen and and she um her her past is is pretty shrouded in mystery. She seems to have had um she seems to have crossed paths with Porter Angle um at some point in the past, maybe multiple times. And um She was in the blade. Oh, she was she was in the blade. Was yeah. she was she that yeah. was she the lady? Was she the final boss in that one? I don't know if she was the final boss or she was part of the No, I think the final boss was the person who was part of like the Empire's not you know, not Star Wars Empires, but like the kingdoms um right. inside right. her. But I think she was like hired as before the Nile, she was like a like a mercenary. Okay. Uh, for hire. And okay. and so that probably. is um where she's from originally. I was um, thinking about checking that because I was like, was she in something? But I was like, uh, maybe not. But I get, but I guess she was. I didn't know. Yeah, that. she was in the blade. And okay. as as you keep talking, I can I can verify this. But, no, yeah, um, yeah, by all means, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, so we did get General V's, and we got uh, Bulin, um, who is an Ithorian who's conducting. Um, uh, and, and they reference this multiple times in the book. This person is conducting very dangerous experiments and involving Jedi hunters, um, uh, which you know I guess we can um, we can uh, presume it will involve the nameless. Um, and um, you know I guess we'll still we still have yet to see how this will kind of materialize and what will happen from that. 
Um, but those are the ministers. Um, and there's definitely a history between General Vise and uh, Porter Engel. Um, and so that so honestly, if Vise was in um, and not to get too sidetracked, but if she was in um, if she was in uh, the blade, then um, then she's probably much older than I was picturing. <laughs> oh, I think Vise is is uh, yeah, so Vise is in the blade. Um, that okay. is, I am, I am reading the blade currently. Okay. Got it. And, uh, yes, here we go. She's not my friend. She's my employee. This is general Vise. Okay. Yep. Uh, okay. much younger, much, uh, yeah. As an independent contractor, she called herself. So, okay. yes. Officially from the blade. Sounds like we need a re, uh, reread, which, uh, I am down for because it is a very good book. Oh yeah, yeah, I, I definitely have to reread it. It, it was very Um but yeah, so she is so she is so she's got to be I don't know exactly when that takes place, but she's definitely much older than I was picturing. Um so she would be she would be pretty old. Um if she was cuz that that poor angle was like young poor angle in in the blade, right? Yeah. Um so that's very interesting. Um but so um, Bell, Zedifar, and Beriaga are um, trying to stop these raids and trying to um, trying to help the people that are being attacked by the Nile. Um, uh, another thing to note is that Bell and Beriaga are now Jedi Knights, um, which is very cool. <laughs> um, that they were kind of knighted in the field. Um, or, or, or did they have to go through trials? They didn't have to go through trials, did they? Nah, they considered uh, the full starlight um, a yeah. trial. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they didn't have to go through. It, we watch oh. it happen in issue three. We read it happen of um, Shadows of Starlight. Okay, all right. So that's another thing that I that I must have missed then. So, um, so yeah, they are um, they are trying to stop these raids uh, very frequently. Um, uh, crossing paths with uh, Mela Shrike. Uh, so Bell, uh, quite frankly, gets becomes almost a little bit obsessed with stopping Mela Shrike uh, to the point where he kind of puts his crew in danger um, a few times. So he, that's just something Beriaga kind of kind of keep trying to calm him down. Um, uh, so you see, and you kind of see that develop as a theme for him and for Elzar Mann. Listen, man, uh, it is justified. This dude yeah. has been through so much and has lost so many people. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's really it's a it's been a, it's a lot. It's a lot to ask of anyone. Um. So yeah, he's been through a lot. Beriaga has been through a lot. Elzar Man has been through a lot. Um. Yeah, it's definitely been a lot for all the Jedi at this point. Um. So. So eventually we get to a point where we uh, now you can correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, Pratri Veter's capture. When did that happen? Was that? Um, that... Just at some point during the uh, during the year. It wasn't shown in anything. Okay. I don't think. Right. Or, or like, it's really just. <laughs> yeah, it feels like oh, a very big thing um, to kind of just like, oh, yeah, this master that we saw count multiple times in the first phase just was you know while you were gone while we were on hiatus um he was captured yeah so sorry okay all right yeah not so not the biggest fan of that either personally no i would yeah, like to mean what happened um but the execution itself was well oh my gosh so um so markion Rowe decides to send a message and he brought basically broadcasts his death um by one of the nameless creatures um and it is gruesome it is very hard to and he just broadcasts it and i think he keeps it going on like a loop for a while um so very horrific uh scene um very extreme circumstances um at this point uh zach how are you feeling um at this point in time with these events? uh i am locked in I I really think it sets up a very dire situation for them, but it sets up a very interesting circumstance. In which case, 
I always was brought back to when Lino So would talk about it, that they have a whole other galaxy that they still need to protect. And while this is massive and this is looming and it's getting bigger, right, like it isn't their only priority. And you can see the Jedi start to be pulled different different directions. Um, and I, I find it to be a really great setup for this book. I will say, I think the relentlessness, because it really is dire, and I think it actually just keeps getting more dire pretty much up until the very end. Um, it, it, it does get to me a little bit. Like, I thought that, oh, okay, this is just... And I, because there's so, it's so long between releases now, like, we're not getting another right. adult novel until July... I think, um, yeah, yeah, that I was like, oh, yeah, I just, you know, read 400 pages and like they got, they squeaked out a win, like, and it wasn't even a win. It was just like, you know, we'll talk about it when we get to the ending, but just outside of that felt like, oh, it just felt a little relentless. And that's the only, I would say that's my only like real gripe with the book, but up to this point, the um 100 it's painting the nile as exactly as rude and uh controlling as you want them to be and as violent as you want them to be they're still great villains um and yeah backs up against the wall with our favorite jedi so i think it's it's a really great start to the book yeah yeah no i i would definitely agree with that um yeah this whole situation ends up just being very um, and it still is. It's a very extreme um, scenario. And it, 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 for me, it'll extend to kind of a greater discussion of the High Republic in general. I have to see how this fate, how this whole kind of saga ends. Yeah. Um, because this is such a serious conflict at this point that I don't see. I wouldn't say it doesn't make any kind of plot holes, but it makes me go like, okay, why doesn't, why don't more people like know about this <laughs> in like kind of the regular kind of movie storyline that we that we've been following um you know of course the sith are a great threat but i mean the nile were a were, were massive threat um so yeah i don't know it's just interesting um but um but yeah kind of going forwards with the story um uh avar chris uh has it is basically kind of trying to do what she can to help people uh from inside the inclusion zone um and to get whatever um you know kind of find out whatever she can hopefully find a way out um so she's just trying to do whatever good she can while she's inside the occlusion zone so she ends up taking control of a nile shipment uh full of grain bringing it to a starving world um um it's a pretty interesting uh sequence as well um uh of course she uh meets a um Ugnot called Belin who ends up um, kind of joining her throughout her adventure uh, in the book, who I enjoyed his, which I enjoyed his character as well. Uh, he's a great character. Yeah. Um, and I liked his, uh, I have spoken, they kind of take that. I know, I keep thinking like Mandalorian. <laughs> oh, I was like, uh, I, you can just he, you can hear it so clearly. Oh, yes. Spoken. Yes. Oh, so good. Um, so, um, yeah, so she uh, is uh, able to receive the now propaganda being broadcast by Real Dairo, who is also um, under uh, Markeon Rose's thumb uh, of control. She's trying to get out um, as well. She is basically just like this uh, journalist to broadcaster who is just been just basically just hostage, honestly, at this point. Um, uh, it's just someone that is being controlled by Markeon Rose in the Nile. Um, she's been broadcasting a secret message. Um, Avar Chris is able to decipher the secret message. Able to, and Avar Chris and her droid. I feel bad. I forgot the droid's name. <laughs> I think it's like is it Casey or 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 Casey something like that. Oh, I don't know. I didn't even write it down. But yeah. Um, but yeah, her droid who helps her a ton um, uh, was able to help decipher this message, and um, uh, and they end up uh, going to meet Rill and the other Nile that that was working with her. I forgot his name as well, um, but um, uh, but yeah, that Nile was basically just wanted to escape, you know, out of just because they 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 see the Nile as a sinking ship. So him and Rill uh, uh, plotted a plan to escape through embedding secret messages um, in their broadcasts um, to the rest of Nile space. 
Um, so uh, Porter Angle on his side of the story um, ends up um, ends up uh, fighting with some Nile uh, who were hunting him. General Vise, as we mentioned, General Vise and Porter Angle have some history. Uh, they end up finding out that Porter Angle is in Nile space, and they basically just are just going after him. Um, uh, Porter Angle ends up finding an old EX droid uh, from the old Pathfinder teams um, and uh, is able to... Um, he's kind of trying to rework that droid, uh, hoping to, to be able to use it to get through uh, the storm wall uh, as well. Um, so on Coruscant, um, Lena So and Elzar are positioning the council to take action. Um, and uh, they're running into some roadblocks with that. Uh, just really quickly in terms of the Jedi Council in this book, um, they were much less um, obstinate, I would say, than the Jedi Council that we're kind of used to seeing. We're used to seeing a Jedi Council that's just out of touch, you know, doesn't want to do anything to help. It's very frustrating, honestly. Um, this Jedi Council, especially with Yoda, <laughs> um, was much more, I would say, much more uh, um, reasonable. <laughs> oh, yeah, um, absolutely. So, um, you know, so that was so that was kind of re refreshing as well. I, I um, absolutely thought that the, the, the Jedi Council actually wanted to do something. And I thought there were a couple yeah. characters and I forgot who I'm forgetting the name exactly. It was like, wow. You're like actually proactive and want to, I don't know, like get something done. And they're just, just not used to that whatsoever. So quite a nice change. Yeah, it was very refreshing. I'm so used to Jedi Council wanting to just, to just like not do anything. Just, you know, um, just know everything's fine. Why are you so upset? And it's like, well, everything's burning down. And they're just like, well, <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh. But yeah, this Jedi Council was much, much, um, much much better um yeah. so um uh porter uh also ends up getting the um uh getting the message uh from rill as well um so that kind of helps to kind of set up a clash between uh all of them at this meeting point uh that rill and her her nile ally had set up um on hetzel um so um uh so nil along with this um along with this uh turn the, the nile turncoat that she had been working with um uh end up actually meeting on Hetzel um with avar um and um all, uh, meanwhile on coruscant gira staros is meeting with lena so uh and elzar these interactions are very interesting um, because Garastaros is trying to, trying to politis kind of like uh, is basically trying to soften the Nile, yeah, to make them seem legit, uh, redeemable, yeah, legitimate, redeemable. Um, trying to give them some kind of some kind of a like a political standing in the galaxy, as opposed to just being you know these like uh, you know terrorists basically that they are, um, and. Uh, uh, Lena So and Elzar Man are not they're not here for it, which I was I was that was that was fun. For me I enjoyed I enjoyed that. Yeah. Um it was just their good. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, and, and look, I as as we keep saying, um, you know, I'm very much of of the of the prequels. I don't dislike galactic politics. <laughs> so that part of this was always very interesting to me. So yes, I I was here for that. That was very interesting to me. Um, so, um, so yeah. So, so uh, as I was saying, going back to um, Avar, Chris, and um, meeting with Rill and the Nile, the Nile uh, Trader as well. Um, they meet. The Nile Trader ends up getting shot and killed. Turns out. Um, General Vs um, ended up getting wind of what was going on. What was going on? Uh, her and her people ended up meeting there. 
Avar Chris ends up fighting General V's, who can actually fight. Boy, that took me by surprise. Oh, um, yeah. yeah, so she's able to fight. She has Beskar, which, you know, as we know, is is uh, able to fight against uh, lightsabers and not be cut. So she had armor. She had Beskar weapons. She had a lot to um, to use to fight. Um, so that was entertaining. Porter Angle ends up showing up, and then Vs runs away because she knows she can't be both of them at the same time. Um, uh, so that was entertaining. They all meet. It's a very emotional meeting, um, and they're formulating their plan um, to get out. Uh, Kevin Tars, who um, is with um, Elzar Mann, is talking about how he found a potential weakness in the Stormwall, which was a glitching buoy. And how they can take out if they can take out all the other buoys. This glitching buoy is is sending out a faulty signal saying that everything is okay. So they try to basically punch a hole through the storm wall by taking out all these other buoys and just going right through. Uh, that ends up failing miserably. It's not uh, relentlessly defeatist. Yeah, yeah, it did not. It did not Shit work. Does not at all. Well. Uh, so a bunch of the ships blow up. It is a horrific scene. Um, Elzar Man is feeling as defeated as ever. Um, a lot of people die. It is a very, very bad scene. Um, and in and in response, uh, Markion Rowe expands the Stormwall. So he just he, he, that's basically what he, he just uses his his technology and just expands it. Um, so. Uh, yeah, so they have more systems, they have more space in this conflict. You can see this conflict kind of getting closer and closer to coming to a head. Um, so it is a dire, dire situation. Um, and Zach, what at this point, what are your thoughts on, on what everything that's going on? I think at this point, I'm in the same place as I, as I was before. And that is, and that's why I, I, I very much really enjoy the third act of this book. Because, um, as I was telling you before, relentlessly defeatist. I think it is this constant, like, they keep trying and it keeps going wrong. They keep trying, it keeps going wrong. Yeah. Or destroyed, gets t- captured. Um, the guy who uh, was helping Avar and Rill is killed, right? Like, it's, it's everything keeps going wrong. Nothing Elzar is doing. Lena, so they feel like they've done made, you know, and then obviously all these Republic forces die, um, you know, in trying to breach the Stormwall. And it, it, I'm at the same point. It's very effective in that it really makes the situation seem dire. So I'd say succeeded on that front. Um, and I'm definitely bought in. Like, I'm at this point like, oh, God, please let them get a win. Please let them get a win. Let yeah. somebody, somewhere, something good happen. Um, so i definitely still in it. And I, I'm enjoying the book thoroughly and definitely racing to the end because I want to know what happens. Yep. Yep, exactly. Um, so, um, so yeah, at this point, Elzar is feeling just extremely helpless, extremely useless, and just, he just, it's just sad. It's just a lot of sadness, deep emotion. Um, I'm pretty, pretty certain that Elzar at some point is either going to turn or leave the order. I don't see how, <laughs> I, yeah, I just, I don't, see I, don't how he see, doesn't. I don't see how he does it. It looks like that's it's very clear that he wants to do that, that his gut is telling him that he either doesn't deserve to be here, that he wants to hurt Markeon Rowe, that it's just constant with him. So I don't see how that doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I just uh, that's just seems like where we're heading. Um, You know, Lena, so is regretting her decision to not have accepted you know, Giristaros' offer for, you know, some kind of political, you know, uh, resolving of the situation. Okay, maybe now I'll have this space, we have our space, and maybe they're in the Senate, which is what they wanted to do. But um, uh, so everyone at this point is just having doubts on their approach. Um, so uh, uh, Bell and Beriaga are struggling. Um, um, but the, they think that they may have found a way uh, like a pattern in the uh, cacophonies, uh, which is uh, uh, which is um, uh, Mellis strikes uh, or Mellis strikes um, ship, 
they think they may have found a pattern in her raids. Um, so, uh, so they were trying to kind of figure that out. Um, uh, Vis uh, learns of um, learns of uh, Rill's uh, plans. Um, and yes, of course, as I, as I mentioned actually before, you know, they kill Meglar and all that, that kind of conflict happens. Um, uh, so, uh, basically Vis ends up, uh, retreating because the Jedi, as, as I mentioned before, they end up getting away, which is Avar and, um, Porter Engel. Um, Vis ends up going back to Markeon. Markeon is furious. Um, uh, and uh, Zach, very quickly, what what are your thoughts on Markion throughout this book as well? I definitely, I think we don't get much of anything from Markion's point of view. Uh, am I correct? Like, it's mostly yeah, right. the most, the closest we ever get is we get Gira, who yep. is starting to sense that there's some kind of uneasiness within Markion. Um, which I think is important because I think that will be followed through on later on through the phase. But I do, I thought Markion, I guess I wish there was another little bit more. I think that he's still very much threatening. Um, but I think since, since sort of his motivations have been revealed a little for the most part, I feel like, um, he's not any less of a bad guy. But you can tell that it's just so much anger in one place, directed in one like one one path towards the Jedi, and it's it's definitely something's going to unravel sooner or later. Like it's not just a win; that something in him is going to unravel, or something in the Nile is going like like we find out towards the end here. So I I I would I will actually for a movie about Eye of Darkness, I think it's more about the darkness of the situation than it is about the actual Eye. Uh, which is Markion. Um and I just don't think we got too much of him, which I would have liked a little bit more, but I'm also okay with. We got a lot in this book. We did get a lot. It, it, I thought Markion Rowe was great in the, in this um in this story. I, I mean, I think it, I just think it did a great job after a, a great job of um showing his ruthlessness, his um his desire to um basically kind of kind of showing what his motivations are um uh cuz he doesn't want to, you know political power um you know cuz he could have had that he could have had that he could have but that's he's like I don't want that I at one point he just says he's like I want the Jedi dead I want them dead he's like I don't want I don't want just oh what I have power like I want them dead I want them suffering yeah so it's so yeah, it's really good. I thought I very much enjoyed his role in this book. Um, so, uh, so basically, at this point, um, we are at, um, you know, we're kind of at the end, um, getting towards the end of this book. So, um, Bell and and Beriaga, um are able to uh, figure out the uh, strategy, or they're basically able to figure out the pattern that the cacophony is taking and see that they are going to attack next at the Saswana sector. So they end up uh, basically going there with their, you know, um, I don't know if it's a fleet exactly, but they're, they're kind of a bunch of ships to kind of ambush them. Um, um, Avar Chris and uh, Porter Engel um, had a plan to, um, uh, to basically hijack the cacophony just by force. Um, so they use a uh, shuttle to, um, they just like stole like a Nile ship and we're just going to use that and then have Avar and uh, Porter Engel do like a brief like spacewalk basically in the vacuum of space um, with some Nile masks on, <laughs> which, you know, you know, is one of the one of the more honestly one of the more amazing feats in Star Wars that they were able to survive that. But um, but they were able to do that, jump into uh, the cacophony fight through their uh, legions of of you know Nile enemies, uh, which of course you know Porter Angle is so good, so he's able to he's able to uh, help Avar do that, um, and um, and take it over. Uh, now uh, Mela Shrike is on the ship. She makes sure the path drive is is either it just is just gone, 
Um, so they can't take that. So that kind of interfered with their plans. Um, and General V shows up. She starts blowing up the ship. Um, Porter Engel sacrifices himself. Though, mistake, let me know if I'm wrong. There was no confirmed dead body <laughs> for Porter Engel. Um, he was on the ship. Yeah, so no confirmed dead body. He ended up taking another ship, flying that into General V's ship and fighting General V's. They fight, no confirmed death. So it was looking pretty dire. He was hanging, it was. dangling, like He's above not the dead. vacuum of space, dead. but we did not get a confirmed death. So He's not. We don't, yeah. He's a very much loved character. I think they would have given him the proper send-off. <laughs> you would think so, yeah, I would think so. So, yeah. so, so right now we're assuming he's not dead. So... Um, uh, so yeah, so they end up, so he ends up helping Avar Chris get enough time. She f- briefly fights with Marishrike, but Marishrike is just defeated and, you know, despondent that Vs would turn on her. And, and it was just, um, you know, just a, basically just a sad sight at that point. Avar Chris cut off her hand and she's like screaming and needs medical attention. And Avar Chris is able to, um, um, break through the storm wall. And this part kind of confused me and you can kind of, I mean, I'm hoping maybe you can help me clarify. So she used, what exactly did she use? Cause I thought the book was a little vague here to, to kind of fly through the, cause she had like the, cause she had her droid and she had like, what did she have? Um, she had like a, some kind of either like a piece of the messages that Elzar was sending, or like I think she still may have, still may have had the old EX droid. I think yeah, Maybe something from it. Yeah, I was I was a little. They still technically had the EX droid, I think. Yeah. Um, and that's it was salvaged or they were able to save it. Yeah. But I think that was what it is. I'm a little fuzzy on the details, also the exact yeah. way she got through it. But she did get through. She was able to get through. She was able to put, uh, push the hole through, and and I think there was some. I think the force maybe if it may have had a bit of an influence there as well, but but she was able to fly through, and uh, Bell, as I said, Bell and um, Bell and Beriaga uh, were there waiting. They end up meeting. Avar Chris ends up back on Coruscant, able to see everybody, able to see Elzar. There's any Elzar doesn't say anything, uh, which is a little scary to me. But they had, but they do have their kind of meeting reunion, yeah, very emotional. And um, so Avar is safe, um, as far as we know. Porter Angle, Real Dyro, and um, and the little Ugnaught, um are not safe still. Um, so it's definitely not a win, I would say. Uh, the occlusion zone is still there. Yeah, it's definitely not a win. Yeah, not a win. The inclusion zone is still there. The inclusion zone is still there. Uh, you know, Mark Young Rowe is still there. Everybody is still there. It, the, nothing has been like won, but she's safe. And they have found maybe, hopefully, a potential way for them to get through. So that's kind of where we are, where we stand right now. Zach, what are your thoughts on all this and, and just all of it, basically? Fantastic book. Fantastic start to phase three. I think it's the perfect um, blend of our heroes doing everything they can and then the darkness of the Nile that is just really oppressive right now. It's a great blend. It sets up the stakes for the whole phase. Um, I'm a little I'm a little chuffed that we have to... F- essentially, the next year of stories will take place right like around the same time because everything's so spread out now. We're not going to know like how they get out of the seclusion zone for quite some time. The upcoming um, novel, most middle grade novel this month, and then young adult novel in March, they're still talking about the occlusion zone and how to get through. So, you know, we're really not going to, I can imagine the occlusion zone will not get dealt with until July. So I think a part of me is really hoping to find out, like I want a win. I want there to be some kind of movement. Um, But at the same time, this is a great start. This is a great setup of the stakes, a great setup of where all these characters are. Um, and I'm very excited to see where like a- Avar and Elzar go. Uh, so I, I really like this. I think it's not my favorite of the adult novels, but it is really strong start. Really strong start. Um, I, I would agree. 
honestly. I, I, I think it, it is a very strong start. Um, I don't know if I call it my favorite it, either, uh, but it's up there. It, this is really, really good. Um, you know, I think that it is... Um, it's very... Uh, sets up really just dire circumstances um, uh, for the Jedi, for the Republic... See, I, I come I commend George Mann because he had like a an unenviable task of yeah. reintroducing us all to this phase, uh, into these characters and these storylines and weaving them all together and getting us caught up while also setting the stage for everything. So Absolutely, absolutely. Um yeah, I, I very much enjoyed this. Um a couple of quick nuggets that I just want to point out. They ha- they there was a scene in the book where they bring in this old um this person that they say had touched the dark side to the to the council. I think it was yes. Yoda. Yes. Uh, um, Yoda brings in this character, yeah. Yeah. Um, and um, I feel like that may have... That may be something that we see later on um, as well. Um, and... And... Yeah, and I'm also just looking at Elzar Man. He's another one. Um, oh, my. I don't know what happens to him. I don't know, but I feel like the dark side is coming. So <laughs> absolutely, um, and I think Aslan Rel, which is the character you were referring right. to, yes. um, was seen in uh, briefly in Phase Two. Yes, and uh, yep. also is in Shadows of Starlight, where they touch upon, where we actually see the scene that's touched upon in this book, um, that that is talked about during the Jedi Council. So I won't go too much into details because it's a whole episode by itself. But um, yeah, so if you want to read, if you read Shadows of Starlight, everyone who's listening, um, you will, there's definitely some context and it'll fill in the gaps here and there. Very, very good to know. I'll, I'm, I'm probably going to pick that up uh, maybe today. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, a lot of, um, a lot of uh, good stuff uh, coming up. Uh, as you said, we are, we, there is a middle grade novel that comes out. I don't know if you, would want to discuss that possibly um soon but that is coming out and um and a ya novel as well that comes out a little bit later on um also so we do have uh some more content and another adult novel coming out in the summer so we have a lot um a lot of stuff to discuss so a lot of good good stuff coming up in the in the future um, and we will be uh, trying to recap as much of it as we can. Um, so I think that is a good place to end this one. Um, definitely check out this book if you haven't done so already. It is very good. Um, George Mann knocks it out of the park. Uh, definitely recommend his books. He is very, very good. And I'm hoping he gets to do more um, uh, within the the um, within the High Republic and also just in Lucasfilm in general. I really like his stuff. Um, but yeah, Zach, any 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 final things? Any you know, where can the people find you? Any final thoughts at all? Well, this is my only podcast, my only show, so this is pretty much the only place that people can find me. Though if you search me up, you'll probably find me on social somewhere. Um no, yeah, we got a lot of Star Wars coming up. Like I said, after I moved, we hadn't done this in a while. We're just getting started back up, and I'm hoping we can do this at least once a month. Um, if not twice a month, uh, is the real goal. Uh and if so, We'll definitely be back talking about probably as many books as possible. We got the new two new higher public books over the next two months. We also have the new John Jackson Miller book coming out in April, um, The Living Force, which also takes place before The Phantom Menace. Um, so that is another big book we'll be talking about. I'm sure as we get closer to production for um, Mandalorian and Grogu, uh, hopefully title being workshopped, we will also get more nuggets and of information and we'll talk about those and maybe we'll just pick some stuff and do some good old fashioned lists um and maybe do some retrospectives on some some watches or you know maybe we'll do a, a nice little uh rewatch of a film or something. So um we're definitely keen to keep this show going. We got a lot to talk about. So um I'm excited and, and happy new year, man. Yes, yes, absolutely. Happy New Year to you as well. Um, and to all of our listeners as well, Happy New Year. I hope uh, it's off to a good start for everyone. Um, and uh, thank you all for listening to this show as well. As it's, it's to, to kick off your New Year. We appreciate it. Um, and as Zach said as well, we'll be, uh, we'll be um, uh, releasing some new content 
Um, hopefully at least once a month. That's what we're going to be shooting for. But um, but but uh, definitely more often. So please be on the lookout for that. Uh, so that'll do it for this one. Um, I'm your host, Shamari, joined by Zach. And we will see you guys next time. Peace.